Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. You guys know the deal. This is the early service, so we're going to give a shorter message. And um, I will say this before I get going. This shorter message has a longer back end, which I will do in the second service. And so if you want to think of it this way, this front end is the sort of what, to maybe whet your appetite. And uh, the back end is the how. How are you going to go towards what we are talking about? And so with that, um, I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of First Chronicles, chapter 14. And I'm going to start reading in verse number 8. Just double-checking to make sure I've got everything squared away. All right, First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, but David heard of it and went out against them. Now the Philistines had come and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of God, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to him, Go up, I will give them into your hand. And he went up to Baal-perazim, and David struck them down there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a bursting flood. Therefore the name of that place is called Baal-perazim. And they left their gods there, and David gave command, and they were burned. And the Philistines yet again made a raid in the valley, and when David again inquired of God, God said to him, You shall not go up after them. Go around and come against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then go to battle, for God has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as God commanded them, and they struck down the Philistine army from Gibeon to Gezer. And the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. Well, again, this is going to be a short sermon because of the time constraints, but um, I want to just tell you up front what I'm going to tell you. Breakthrough is possible. And one of the names of the Lord, you know, we call him, as New Testament Christians, we often call him what? Father, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, names like that, but we, we... Forget, I think, uh, and especially in the times in which we live, <clears throat> that the, the scripture itself says that the Lord is a man of war. And that means that there are times of conflict that we come into. Hopefully they're not literal conflict. I don't think we're really called to be you know, picking up weapons and using literal bullets and guns and whatnot and shedding blood. But there is this dimension of war. And in, at least in this story, it is literal war that they're dealing with. But underneath that literal war, whatever it is that they're dealing with in the natural, there is a spiritual reality. And it's actually right here in the passage, but you may not have caught it when we read it, so I want to explain it to you. It says that when the Philistines heard that David had been made king, they came after him. And there's a parallel account to this that I gave it to the guys on the soundboard, but I decided to use this one instead. Um, that parallel account is in 2 Samuel 5. You might want to look it up for yourself at another time. 
but it, it says that when they, they heard that David had been made king, the Philistines went up to David. That means they had to ascend. And why is that? Well, because Jerusalem sits in a higher area, higher elevation. And so they went up to try to get him, but it says David went down to the stronghold. Now, David had these various fortresses, strongholds. They seemed to have been essentially reinforced caves, uh, but they kept him alive when Saul had been hunting him. And so um, the Philistines decide that they're going to make their camp. They're going to, they're going to join battle um, in this place called the Valley of Rephaim. Now, that's a very significant term, but again, it may mean nothing to you because here we are in New York City, and it's approximately 3,000 years ago that this story happened. And so the language is different, the context is different, the geography is different, etc. But the word rephaim itself, it's a plural word in Hebrew, and it is related to the idea of the, the giants, the descendants of Anak, that the Israelites had encountered first when the spies had gone into the land under Moses, and they were so frightened by these Anakim, is the plural term, uh, that they said, we were like grasshoppers in our sight. We can't, we can't fight these people. And so they freaked out, and they said, we're not going to take the promised land, and that consigned them to 40 more years of wandering in the wilderness. And this valley of Rephaim, it, it's like saying this is the valley of the giants. And I don't want to get into speculative theology, and I certainly don't want to talk about the book of First Enoch, even though a lot of people are doing that these days. But I will say this. In the Bible, we have the story in Genesis 6 of the flood, and it says that there were giants in the earth in those days and also afterward, after the flood. And these were uh, these Nephilim came about when the sons of God, meaning the angelic beings, merged with human women, and you get this sort of half-breed race, and these were mighty men of old, men of renown. They were, they were giants. And by the way, these stories of giants occur through most of the literature of the ancient world. I mean, the Greeks knew about them in particular, but um, the Hindu uh, scriptures record these giant-type creatures. So this is, this, this is a thing. Um, it's not well understood, and the records are kind of scant, but, but notwithstanding, it's a thing. And so what's going on here is we are coming up against um, another race of what we might call the Nephilim. But the Rephaim are not the same as the Anakim, but both of them are under this category of the giants. So this is, this is the Philistines using a spiritual force, a spiritual power to reinforce the battle, the literal earthly battle that they are bringing to David. And David realizes, well, I'm the king. I guess we have to take this on. And so the first thing David does is he prays and he says, will you give them into my hand? And the Lord says, go up. I will give them into your hand. Don't, don't decline battle. Engage in the battle. Now, this is primarily about spiritual war, not physical war. I've already said in this story it is literally a war, but um, I, I want to emphasize that there's an application here for all that we're trying to do in this uh, season of the earth as it pertains to revival and awakening. And so the Lord said, go up, I will give them into your hand, and he went up to Baal Perazim. Now, it's interesting, the word Baal, is a, it's a generic term. It, it becomes a formal name 
of a god that we all know his name is in English, Baal. If we say it in Hebrew, it's Baal, but it's the same god. But in the most generic sense, not a proper name, uh, Baal means Lord. And it's, it's almost like David is mocking the god Baal, whom the Philistines worshipped. And he says, yes, my Lord is the Lord of breakthrough. And so when you came up against me, I came against you. And when I did, and we might say, I mopped up the floor with you. That's what happened, and that's what's going on here. And so he went up to Baal Perazim. The word paratz means breakthrough, and parazim is a plural word. The Lord has given me multiple breakthroughs. The more you came at me, the more breakthrough I had. You came at me from three sides, and I defeated you from four sides. It's that idea of the overwhelming superiority of this one whom we serve, and Jesus taught us to call him Father. That is what's going on. And so he strikes them down, and David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a bursting flood. Wouldn't you like to see God become like a bursting flood with the rising tide of evil and iniquity that's in the earth? Wouldn't you love to see God be like a bursting flood in New York City or New Jersey or Staten Island? Or That's still New York City, but anyway, it's, it's distanced from Manhattan. So there you go. And so therefore, the name of that place is Baal Perazim, the Lord of many breakthroughs. And they left their gods there, and David commanded that they be burned. Now, that's a very significant line. Everything in the Bible is inspired. Every single word, every single letter is inspired. But oftentimes, again, we read things we don't fully understand what we're seeing. And so what's going on here? Well, because of the utter humiliating defeat that these Philistines have encountered, they'd chosen the place of battle, and it seems to have been for them, they thought, a spiritually charged place. And this is something that anthropologists and sociologists of religion, people who study religion, not Christianity per se, but any religion, they, they have this understanding that there are some places in the earth, we might call them holy places, but, but they are places where there is more spiritual activity. If you think of the concept of radioactivity, it would be analogous to that. You can't really see radiation, you can't smell it or feel it, but its effect is known when you're around it. And so by choosing the valley of, of the Rephaim, what these Philistines had done was they had picked a place that they thought was to their tactical advantage in combat in order that they would be able to defeat David because there the power of their gods would be greatest. And because the Lord broke through against the lines of the, of the Philistines, and David defeated them, apparently more than once, thus the plural peratzim, not just perats. Because that is so, now the Philistines abandoned the very gods they had. And so the value of seeing breakthrough of this kind is that those who have relied upon, I'll say, false ideologies, or who have followed other religious systems that are opposed to the one that we follow, which is Jesus, um, those people experience the reality that there is a greater power in the world, and by golly, we better abandon what we've been serving in order to go after that one. This is classic power encounter that we are talking about, but it's not just you know one-to-one. -one. This is, well, played out on a 
wider field, if you want to say that. And so they left their gods, and David said, burn them all. Now keep in mind that in Old Testament thinking, and also New Testament thinking, this is not merely the Old Testament, but the idea arises in the Old Testament, um, all of the gods of nations are demons. All of them. Every single one of them. That's found in Psalm 106, uh, verses 36 and 37. And uh, Paul talks about this concept in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20. So it's very out of uh, favor, I would say, in our time. But pick any god you want, and I don't care which religion you pick that god from. We could pick Islam if we wanted to, or Hinduism, or whatever, Buddhism. But you could pick any religion you want, but the gods that they are serving are actually demons that are masquerading as gods, and they seek to arrogate unto themselves the worship that belongs to our Father, who in this passage goes by the name the Lord of many breakthroughs. And so what's happening, David says, burn their idols, because again, their idols are representative of those demonic powers that, were, uh, that those Philistines were serving and who had empowered them for battle. So David is further disempowering them. It's like, if you will, I use the term radiation. It's like decommissioning the nuclear reactor, taking all the fuel rods out. It ain't going to work anymore. That's what's going on. That's the level of cleanup that the Lord wants to see happen in the breakthroughs that he wants to give us. Well, let's finish out the story. The Philistines yet again made a raid into the valley. Well, there's dumb and there's dumber, right? So it didn't work the first time. Let's try it another time. But it's interesting, David again inquired of God. What's he doing? I need, I need instructions, Father. What should I do? And so when he does it this time, the Lord says, uh, don't take them straight on. Instead, go around behind them and come against them opposite the balsam trees. So apparently in the Valley of Raphaim, there was a grove of trees, a copse of trees, older term, C-O-P-S-E, a copse of trees, and attack them over there. But by the way, when you go, gather your troops and don't attack until you hear the signal and the signal will be you will hear the sound of marching over your heads. What is that marching? Well, presumably, it doesn't say this, but it's a logical conclusion. Presumably, what they are going to hear is the marching of angelic armies that the Lord of breakthroughs is sending out ahead of them, but don't attack until you've got air cover. That would be a term that we would be familiar with in our time. You know, when the helicopters go over or the jets go over, then you can do it because I'll, I'll take out all their emplacements, I'll soften up the beach for you, then have at it. And so, again, it doesn't literally say it's an angelic army, but that's, that's the logical conclusion that we would draw. And so um, David did as God commanded him. It's really good when you get a word from the Lord, and it's even better when you follow it. And they struck down the Philistine army from Gibeon to Gezer. So basically, they wiped them out. They defeated them the first time, but the second time around, it was a complete rout. And the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all the nations. So when God shows his power in this way, um, there is great breakthrough. Now, is there a precedent, or that's not the way to say it, is there reason to believe that God still does this? Yes. 
and I won't turn there, I'll just reference it, but in the 19th chapter of Acts, it says that when Paul came into Ephesus, he found initially just a small handful of people. It says about 12 men. And so it seems to be somewhat analogous to what Jesus was doing with his 12, except it says about 12. So I don't know if it was 11 or 13. I don't know why Luke couldn't just count them, but anyway, all right, it's about 12. But what ends up happening in Ephesus is there is such a breakout of the Spirit of God. And it, by the way, it's not instantaneous. That's a really important point because I think in modern revival culture, we have come to the place where we think there's going to be something akin to an atomic bomb that's going to fall and suddenly everybody's going to believe and that's it. That's not what it says happened in Ephesus. It says it took two years, but everybody in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, for the province of Asia, think of a state. So it would be like saying everybody in New York, and because of the tri-state dynamic here, uh, New York, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, uh, New Jersey and New York, in two years, everybody heard about the great things that God had done. And it says that, um, that the word of the Lord continued to advance and the language in Acts 19, and again, I'm not turning to it, I'm just referencing it, <clears throat> it is the language of a warrior. It's in Greek, and you have to go back to the Hebrew that undergirds the concepts, but in the Old Testament there is this idea, if the Lord is a warrior, he is the one who treads down his enemies underfoot like ash. If you've ever been in a campground and the fire burned down overnight, but there's still like the, you know, the, the outline of the log, and it might be you know, dark black at this point and maybe some white that's the gray ash, it looks like a log, but the fire has gone out, and if you just kind of bump it with your foot or step on it, it just crumbles under your feet. That's the concept that the Lord wants to have happen in a true move of the Lord. And it is, it's seen here with David, and it's seen with Paul in Ephesus. Now, that one's not about battle. That's about evangelism. But the word of the Lord prevailed mightily over all of the gods there. What were the gods there? Well, in that case, it was Artemis of the Ephesians, who was the moon god, the goddess of the hunt, the goddess of war, and the goddess of love. So she was a you know, pretty well-built kind of hot chick, sort of a goddess. People love to worship Artemis. And, uh, and the Lord overcame all of it and defeated Artemis. Well, so we see this concept of breakthrough. In the second service, I'll talk about how we get there. But I, I wanted to put this idea of breakthrough praying in front of you. And I want to say this. If our passion is breakthrough, that is to say, to bring power and to see power released, then the prayer must be joined with passion. Now, this isn't carnal passion. This is spiritual passion that is focused based on what? The Word of God. The Word of God written, but also the living Word of God that comes prophetically. That's how David knew first time, take them head on, second time, come around the back. But the point is it gets that focus uh, because of the word of God. And so our prayer has to be joined to passion, not carnal passion, but passion focused through the lens of uh, proper alignment and the word of the Lord in order to see the power of God released. Now, it was interesting to me as I was sitting there listening to the announcements 
because you guys have some seasons of intercession and prayer coming up very soon. It sounds like it's a regular staple here, which is good. Uh, when we want to see breakthrough in our lives, when we want to see breakthrough in our families or our friends' lives or in the lives of the churches that we attend or in our communities and cities, we have to have breakthrough prayer. And I think one of the, one of the risks that can happen, you know, the scripture says in the New Testament, we must pay closer attention to what we have learned or been taught lest we forget it or fall away from it. And I think sometimes we become routinized or routinized, as people usually say it. And we do that because we've been going through the motions and not a lot is happening. But if one of the names of God is the Lord of breakthroughs, and it is, then we have to understand this, that we are not praying to pray. If, if you're doing that, stay home. I really mean that. Maybe you don't like to hear me say that, Bill. <laughs> but, but honestly, stay home if that's what you're doing. We are not here to have just some nice little prayer meeting, and we're certainly not here to pray little kind of, I don't know, milk toast prayers where we, okay, now let's pray for Billy's sore thumb, and okay, we prayed for that squeeze, squeeze, your turn to pray. And so we go around the circle and we pray in this kind of mealy mouth. We are here serving the Lord of breakthrough. And when we go to prayer, we are seeking to see him breach the lines of the enemy and to crush the enemy under our feet. By the way, Paul uses that language in the book of Philippians. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Do you live with that passion? Do you live with that intensity? Do you live with that same idea? I serve, I don't like the word Baal myself much, so I will say Yahweh of Paratzim, the God of breakthroughs. And I expect that he will rise up for battle and he will give us the victory. He will give us the victory in my family. He will give us the victory in my job. He will give us the victory in my city. He will, he will hand the enemy over to us, and we will beat him down. And the gods that others serve, the gods of the nations, all of the ideologies, all of them will be trampled under the feet of Jesus. If you don't have that kind of sort of orientation, you may not use that exact verbiage, but if you don't have that sort of passion and that kind of focus, you're in the wrong game. You're, you're, you don't even know who you're serving, really. You think Jesus is gentle, Jesus meek and mild? He's the lion of Judah, too. If you've ever seen a lion in action, it'll tear things limb from limb. Now, again, we're not talking about physical violence here. We have to keep saying this because of um, all the stuff that's been kind of spewn about in the last few years. But we are talking about breakthrough, and we are talking about spiritual domination.